Hello again, Broncos country. High above the Mile High City in the Colorado Rockies, I'm Jerry Murray, your football addict and lifelong Broncos fan, here with this week's edition of your Denver Broncos podcast, Rocky Mountain Thunder. I'm rushing to get this put out so that we can get my picks out in time for Thursday night football, talk about lions and tigers and bears. Okay, maybe not tigers, but Lions and Bears for sure, maybe some Packers and Cardinals, Broncos, Washington football, you get the idea. I also want to talk about elephants. That's right, elephants. The elephant in the room, how to eat an elephant. Like the Broncos, I've been putting off the inevitable. Only I've been putting off getting this podcast out, thinking that maybe there'd be some breaking news to pass along. The Broncos, however, are choosing to put off the inevitable firing of coaches or trading away star players for draft capital. Another week, another month, the Broncos are now winless in their last four games. What a difference a day makes, huh? How can this once-proud competitive football team go from being a contender year in and year out to a team that simply walks through the motions year after year? How as fans are we supposed to stay engaged? I constantly hear fans accusing other fans of not being true fans. I'm sorry, what? Only a true fan knows what's in their heart, and it's not right for any of us to judge one another. Just because a fan is cussing and complaining doesn't make them any less of a fan than anybody else. Like you, I don't know what's in your heart any more than you know what's in my heart. Anyway, that being said, Say what you want about me, but I've been watching this team since long before their first Super Bowl. I've been a fan through thick and thin, and I'll continue to be a fan as long as they are our Denver football team. I'm so passionate about this team, and that's why I do this, in hopes that my voice will somehow be heard, will somehow make a change at Dove Valley. Whether we're winning or losing... And as it is now, hopefully by some way, to encourage the right people to hold those responsible accountable for the failures of this team, to put a quality product on the field. So bottom line, that's why we're here, to talk about our Broncos, and unfortunately right now not favorably. What fans are screaming for? Accountability. A lot of us want heads. I'm no different. I I want heads. As soon as the Cleveland game was over, I said, Fangio's got to go. That defense is porous. A week or two ago, I I said, moldy Swiss cheese. Our defense is like moldy Swiss cheese. So what's the solution? Well, I've maintained that this is a win-now league. For years and years, I've said that. It's not a rebuild-now league. Fans and owners alike expect championships and parades and, at a minimum, to win some games. Just be competitive. All off-season long, when we brought in George Payton, I said, if this team wants to win now, they need to draft a quarterback as an insurance policy. We need, or I expect, that we will see George Payton try to win now. And that's just the way of the NFL, in my opinion. So, I think it's fair to say that this team is a long, long, long way from any championships. And certainly have a lot of work to do to just be competitive. Let's talk about some of those options. Consider the best way to eat an elephant. 
It's bite by bite, right? One bite at a time. And let's face it, that's what this is going to be like, isn't it? Like eating an elephant. One bite at a time. The way I see it, Broncos only have a couple directions that they can go, and they've kind of shown their hand this week. But let's go over the options. Option one, they can be smart and start making moves to get this team built up. Moves that involve acquiring draft capital, freeing up cap space. This is the route that looks like the best option to me now. Or option two, they can continue to win now mentality. You know, strategies that would be like putting a Band-Aid on an appendage that's been ripped off the body. And ones that include firing coaches, trading for players of need, yada, yada, yada. Now let's talk about this team's shortcomings, then we'll get back into option one and option two. A big problem that's been with this team for a long time, we've been without leaders like Demarcus Ware, Emmanuel Sanders, Peyton Manning, all on this team at the same time. Guys that held other players accountable. Guys that I expect probably hold held couch, uh, coaches accountable. There were many documented times when Peyton Manning argued with Gary Kubiak about working out of the gun too often. And just to clarify, when they play out of the gun, it takes away a great percentage of run play options. Well, it's been at least five years since this team's had leadership like that. From the top down, from Pat Bowen, all the way down through the ranks. Look at it this way. How are you going to take a young quarterback, whether it be Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Drew Locke, even Case Keenum wasn't what I would call a grizzled veteran. And how are, you, how are you going to turn them into leaders when everyone around them are also young players? You have to have veteran players around to help your young guys figure out what questions they should be asking. In other words, these young guys that we've had around here for so long, they don't even know what they don't know, much less what questions they should ask. Instead, it's just a bunch of kids that don't understand playing with heart, gutting it out to make a play. Noah Fant. Players that don't want to... Fight to make a play. Fight to make a first down. Play through a tackle. Coaches that can't coach. Unfortunately, the way I see it, the Broncos need to clean house. Look at what John Gruden did with Khalil Mack. And I know that name is uh, kind of blackballed around the league right now. But with Khalil Mack, he traded him. Got a bunch of capital and turned one great player into three or four really good players. So that brings me to option one. You find that dead weight, Noah Fant. Your name's going to keep coming up because you can't block, you are unwilling to block, or you just flat won't block. And then anytime you catch a ball, you fall down as soon as somebody gets close to you. How about busting a tackle? I've seen you do it before. I just haven't seen it in the last year or two. Now, maybe you've been dealing with some injuries, but dude, you got to find some heart. Garrett Bowles? You just keep, continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over. Now, you had a decent season last year, COVID year, when they didn't call holding penalties. But we all see you slipping back into those habits, getting lazy with your feet. Fangio, Shermer, trade them all away. Get some draft capital. Get some quality draft capital. Obviously, they won't all have a ton of value, but get what you can. They're not doing the team any good, 
as is, so let's move them. Of course, this all sounds simple enough. It comes with cap hits and other contract considerations that make it much more difficult in real life. This consequently brings us to option two. You know, that win-now mentality. From the looks of it, this is the path the Broncos have decided on, and in my opinion is being executed two weeks too late. At a minimum, it should have started as soon as that Raiders game ended. But as soon as Josie Jewell went down, they should have got a good idea that they were in big trouble. You can't just play with one middle linebacker and somebody else as a practice squad player. I'm not saying Jewell's a superstar, but he can tackle and he makes an impact in the middle of the field. In addition to Josie Jewell, though, in six weeks, the Broncos have put up seven linebackers on IR. That's right. In six weeks, the Broncos have put seven linebackers on injured reserve. Now, some of it's short-term and some of it's not. But after watching what looked like a significant injury to Von Miller against the Browns last week in Cleveland, George Payton finally blinked and made a move to get another outside linebacker on the roster, traded a 22 seventh-round pick to Minnesota in exchange for Stephen Weatherly, a 6'5", 262-pound outside linebacker, and a seventh-round pick in 23. So you heard that right. Peyton got an outside linebacker and a 23 seventh-round draft pick for just one 22 seventh-round draft pick. That doesn't sound too bad, right? Don't get too excited. Weatherly was primarily just a special teams regular for the Vikes, but he does offer some badly needed size for our Broncos out on the edge. But how much he'll bring the Broncos? Let's just say I'm skeptical. Skeptical. Can you say that skeptical? Let's just say I'm skeptical. Finally, a week before the trade deadline on Monday, the Broncos traded for an inside linebacker. Now, this could be something to get excited about. Okay, I'm excited about this. But not nearly as excited as I would have been two or three weeks ago. In a blockbuster trade with the L.A. Rams, the Broncos landed the Rams' third leading tackler and their leading tackle for loss guy, in Kenny Young, the UCLA product, drafted by the Baltimore Ravens back in 2000. Oh, let's see, what was that? 2018. I call it a blockbuster trade because it's so similar to that trade with Minnesota to get Weatherly. Primarily for the Rams and the Vikings, these trades just help them with some numbers problems. And fortunately, they're guys that can maybe help our floundering Broncos stay afloat. So let me get back to the blockbuster deal real quick. The Broncos sent a 24 sixth round pick to the Rams and return. They got the Rams third leading tackler and a 24 seventh round pick 2024 seventh round pick six one, 235 pounds. Kenny young, just about the same size as Josie jewel, maybe a little small, a uh, little shorter. And he's almost the same size as Devin White, the outstanding linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who they drafted last year. Looked so good in the Super Bowl. Well, Kenny Young, I'm actually very excited about. I mentioned that. But somehow this all just doesn't add up for me. As I mentioned, played at UCLA, drafted by the Ravens in the fourth round of the 18 draft. 
He ended up playing two years with the Ravens, then was traded away to the Rams in a, in the deal for Marcus Peters. In other words, the Ravens needed Marcus Peters in their secondary uh, and dealt Kenny Young. Kenny Young was a solid guy for the Rams for three years, played out his rookie contract this year, and like I said, for the Vikes and Rams, these moves help them with some number problems. Helps the Rams clear a little cap space. They'll shed the final season of Young's $3 million contract. And this also opens up a spot for them to play their third-round pick, Ernest Jones. Get him some more playing time. It also gives them a little more cap space to work with before the trade deadline, should something come up for them. I'm just hoping his fate doesn't follow that of all the linebackers before before him. We claimed Micah Kaiser off the Rams practice squad, lost him to injury. I believe he's out for the year. Uh, We took Aaron Patrick from the Jacksonville Jaguars off of their practice squad, and another guy got injured. uh, I'm not sure if we'll get him back or not, but the Broncos have been decimated at linebacker. Since Bradley Chubb went down, we've watched as one-by-one guys have been knocked out for the season. Josie Jewell, torn peck. Alexander Johnson, same injury, both done for the year. Micah Kaiser, Aaron Patrick, both guys the Broncos drafted, uh, grabbed off of those practice squads. Andre Mintz, Jonas Griffith, been injured worse, landed on IR. Baron Browning was out last week with a concussion. The outstanding Ohio State guy we Drafted in the fifth round. I hear what you're saying. Who are all these guys? Probably really haven't ever heard of them. Practice squad guys, primarily. Good news is that the Broncos are getting some of these guys back. Vaughn is currently 50-50 to go Sunday against a football team. But I'll bet you he's also 50-50 for getting traded by the deadline. I mentioned Baron Browning. He could be available. Justin Stranad still in there. Justin, he's looked lost. He hasn't played well at all without Alexander Johnson to tell him where to play and Josie Jewell to kind of keep him in line. But now we have a potential dude in Kenny Young. Yeah, I think he might be a dude for the Broncos. Malik Reed's banged up with a groin, but Jonathan Cooper, he's filled in and been a, a very pleasant surprise. I'm really excited about how Jonathan Cooper looked. Uh, big big motor on him last week, so that was pretty encouraging. All right, so did we talk about the elephant in the room? Well, I, I mentioned as soon as the Cleveland game was over, I felt like Vic Fangio should be fired. I still maintain Pat Shermer should be fired. Is that going to happen? I really don't think so. Uh if you look at it, by getting Kenny Young, if he is as good as we think he might be for the Broncos, they might be able to beat the Washington football team this week. All right. That brings them to 4-4. Four and four. Then they have to play Dallas, who I thought by this time of the season would be playing like the Dallas Cowboys, you know, pretty hit or miss and not very good. Unfortunately, they actually look like a football team, and Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, that defense, all legit, playing really well. So that's a game that I'm pretty sure the Broncos can't win. And by the way, after the Cleveland game, I said to anybody that listened to me, this team can't beat anybody else. They're done. 
This is as good as it gets, looking at a 14-3 and three season. Before, I said, I, I didn't say that right, did I? 3-14 and 14 season. I beg your pardon. Beginning of the season, I was going 10-7. and 10-7. And, and they won three in a row. Oh, yeah, I think we're on track. 10-7. and seven. But now as I look at it after this pickup from the Rams, let's say they get by the Washington football team here at home this week. All right, four and four. They go down to Dallas. They lose to the Cowboys. Now they're four and five. But then they get Philadelphia. They're playing well, but I don't think they're playing that well. So that could be a win. They could go into bye week at five and five. That sheds a little bit of light of hope. So I don't see any coaches getting fired if these things line up. Now, if they go out and lose to Washington this weekend, all bets are off. But if they beat the Washington football team, I believe we'll see the coaches get to the bye and beyond because then they get into the meat of the, of the conference games playing the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders. <clears throat> of course, they don't play the Raiders twice. Uh, two more times, only once more, but anyway. So that's the elephant in the room. I don't believe that's going to happen. I believe uh, George Payton is going to stay on course and try to give Fangio the the weapons and the keys to winning football games uh, and making this Broncos team as competitive as they can this year. I still think Pat Shermer's head is the first on the chopping block if he doesn't get it to go. This week's going to be tough. He wants to play that pass game, and Washington doesn't stack up well. We'll get to that in my picks. We talked about how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. So I guess in this case it means let's go fill some of the vacancies created by injury. Trade for Kenny Young, an inside linebacker badly needed. Hopefully Baron Browning can step up and play better. And stay healthy. Has not been healthy this year so far. So let's get on to the picks. I think I've shown that there's some light still at the end of the tunnel for the Broncos. Is that realistic? Well, let's stick around and find out, fans. Let me get into the picks of the week. It's Thursday Night Football. This does not look like your average Thursday night football game. We get the 7-0 Cardinals playing host to the Green Bay Packers. What? Let's go. Can the Cardinals stay undefeated? Well, I don't know if you've heard, but Aaron Rodgers is going to be without Devontae Adams. Other receivers are injured. Uh, Valdez Scantling. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is hurting. He's He's still got... Uh, oh, uh, let me back up. Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, they both tested positive for COVID. That's why they're out. So Aaron Rodgers is going to be left with Randall Cobb, who's getting a little long in the tooth. In other words, old. And a couple other weaker targets. So I'm going with Kyler Murray in the cards to stay undefeated in the desert. Atlanta hosts the Panthers. Sam Darnold is what we thought he was. At least he is what I thought he was. He's thrown seven picks in his last four games, only thrown four TDs. The Panthers look to be circling the drain. I'll take Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, and the Falcons. 
The Buffalo Bills had a bit of a setback week six when Derrick Henry and the Titans ran over the Bills, but with a chance to win in the final seconds, a slip by Josh Allen and a bad guess led to the Buffalo Bills' second loss of the season. Coming off their week seven bye, the Bills get Miami on their home field. Buffalo wins and goes five and two. I do look for this Dolphins team to start showing improvement. Tua has looked better, put up some decent numbers, and I believe Brian Flores is a good coach and will make this team better, just not this week. San Francisco travels to Chicago. Both of these teams need a win. San Fran on a slippery slope right now. Actually, I like this Bears defense a little more than Seattle, so Jimmy G will have his hands full. Justin Fields still has something to prove, as does Matt Nagy. So I'm going to go give the slight edge to the Bears. Matt Nagy, he can Ill, Ill afford to lose this one at home. Let's go 26-23 Chicago. Cleveland gets Pittsburgh on the road. One of the great rivalry games. I don't believe Cleveland can handle the Steelers coming off their bye week. I'm sure Big Ben will play better with a week off. And after what we saw from Cleveland against the Broncos, even with Nick Chubb expected to play, the Steelers' D is a lot better than the Broncos. Steelers by six. Detroit plays the Eagles at home. The Lions played. And remember I said we'd talk about Lions, Tigers, and Bears, just not Tigers. Anyway, the Lions played the Rams pretty close for a while last week. I think they can get past Philly. Phew, win number one. All right, I'm going to take Jared Goff and the Lions to win their first game of the season. The game of the week for me, the Titans roll into Indianapolis with a huge head of steam. They won their last three by putting up an average 33 points a game, and despite their depleted secondary, still held the Chiefs to just three points. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz is putting together a much better season after being reunited with head coach Frank Reich. Uh, Of course, Reich was offensive coordinator for Philadelphia when Wentz played well. Wentz is getting healthier, playing like a number one pick again. He's thrown two touchdowns in his last four games. That doesn't quite work. Two touchdowns in each of his last four games. Eight touchdowns. That's right. Believe it or not, he's putting up Peyton Manning-type stats. I think this team is hungry to beat this rival. I'm not just positive they are hungry enough. But I'm going to go with the Colts, only because they're coming home and want to keep this momentum going. 37-31 Colts. What a barn burner. I'm going to take the Bengals over the Jets. Rams over the Tex. Oh, you saw Flacco went to the Jets, right? Oh, my God. Rams over the Texans down in Houston. Justin Herbert and the Chargers at home over New England. Seattle can't seem to get a win with Geno Smith at the helm, but Jacksonville travels across the country to play in a very tough place to win. Three-hour time change. Seattle's uh, Seattle wins this one by a touchdown or more. The Saints host Tampa Bay, and I think Jameis Winston finds a way to keep this game close. Unfortunately, Tampa's defense will win the day, and Jameis Winston will not have a happy homecoming. Dallas comes off their bye week and visits Minnesota. Cowboys are looking legit. I'll take Dak and company over the struggling Vikes. Monday night, the G-Men go to Arrowhead and another tough place to play, but the Chiefs manage to get the W in this one. And finally, the Denver Broncos host the Washington football team. 
I actually think that somehow Fangio and his staff find a way to win this game. But I'll tell you what, Shermer's got to stop his nonsense. If he thinks he can pass the ball around on this team, just because they've played the pass game a little soft against the likes of Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, um, just to name a couple, this is not the same caliber of quarterback. So do not try to pass against this front defensive line. It's just too good going up against our O-line. Let our O-line get the push, get the run game going, bang away at that run game, be patient with it, let the passing game come to you. Stay on schedule. None of this third and eight, third and 10, third and 12 bull. Keep it. Be disciplined, Shermer. Pat Shermer, be disciplined. Play this the way you intended to play all season. Not the way you have recently. And Vic Fangio, you better get your defense going. Tyler Heineke is no joke. He's playing decent football for a quarterback from Old Dominion. This offense can score against you, so you better get it together. That's all the time we have this week. You guys stay out of your comfort zone. Thank you for joining me on Rocky Mountain Thunder. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow. Reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter, at Jerry Murr. I'd love to hear from you and like to get you on the show if I get the chance. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, wait. I can't talk to you next week. I'm going to be on the road and out of touch. So I'll be back in two weeks with the next edition of Rocky Mountain Thunder.